0: Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would please turn them to Exodus chapter 33, Exodus chapter 33 this morning. This is a true story about a a woman who entered Haagen-Dazs store on the Kansas City Plaza for an ice cream cone. After making her selection, she turned and found herself face to face with Paul Newman. He was in town filming the movie Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. Newman's blue eyes caused her knees to buckle. And she managed to pay for her cone, then left the shop with her heart pounding. When she gained her composure, she realized she didn't even have her cone. She started back to the store to get in and met Newman at the door. And said, are you looking for your ice cream cone? He asked. She nodded, unable to speak. You put it in your purse with your change. Question is, when was the last time the presence of God quickened your pulse? When was the last time that the presence of God quickened your pulse? We get excited when we see different types of people. We get excited when, you know, you think that you're in the same room with an actor or a musician or maybe a football player or maybe a basketball player and your heart starts to pound and your, par- your pulse starts to race because there's just a sense of excitement that comes when you're around somebody that's reputable or has a certain reputation. We we're on vacation. And I had the great privilege of having breakfast with two of my dear friends. We go way back. And so I, I just I, I looked at, at Bruce and I told him, I said, You know, I don't know if I really want to get a picture today. And he's like, Come on, Pastor Todd. You look fine. I said, Yeah, but I'm in my my sweatshorts and you know, top. You know, and then then there was also Tom who said to me, He's like Come on, you know, are you trying to play a trick on me? That's kind of cheap. Well, here's my dear friends, and you know, when you see them, people are always around them. If you recognize one from the Beach Boys, and the other one from Cheap Trick, you're going, are you serious? Yes, that is Bruce Johnson there, and we were in uh, Orlando, Florida. And uh, no, I'm not a rocker, and uh, even though that is Tom Peterson, I am not a rocker, and uh, from Cheap Trick. But anyhow... You know some of the songs back in the day. That was just a little bit of a joke because I actually was having breakfast, and I looked over. I'm like, that's one of the Beach Boys. Well, I knew there was a big bus out there, but I just figured, hey, there was favor, right? But isn't it weird because when you see somebody that's popular and you look over and you're like, that face looks familiar. Now, obviously, he's a little bit older than they were at one time. And, uh, but things change over time. I'm a little bit older than I was at one time. But you have a tendency to maybe not walk up to that individual because you feel somewhat awkward, like they're going to look at you like, who are you to understand who I am? And I loved that when I said, hey, can I get a picture with you guys? Because we were sitting right there, Becky and I were having breakfast. He's like, sure. And he goes, where are you from? I said, "Ohio." He said, I'm a pastor. And, and uh, he said, oh, really? He said, you know the most famous cheese, what the most famous cheese in uh, Israel is? And I said, what is that? He said, Jesus of Nazareth. (laughs) I said, really? That's what I did to him. I went, really? I said, but anyhow, at least he was keeping it in line, right? And uh so it was really cool to see them, but you know your heart starts to pound and you start to beat. And you're like, man, should I really? Because I stood across the room and I took that picture. I've always liked the Beach Boys, and you know. So, but, but yet I was acknowledging them, and at one point I was glorifying them, and then, you know, Becky and I were in St. Augustine. We took a little track down and around and all over the place. We were all over Florida, and uh, but yet in this same type of, of uh, I would say excitement. There was another form of excitement that took a little bit of turn, took place in the streets of St. Augustine. And as I was walking down this street, my heart kind of was broken because as I was uh, proceeding to this store and we were visiting some of the little shops that were there, I looked over to my right. And I noticed a little bit of a crowd, and then I heard somebody say, get, a, get the police officer, and, and I looked over because there were beggars, and there were people that were sleeping, and uh, they were on cardboard mats, so on and so forth there in Florida. And here's a picture of a young lady who had actually, uh, you could see her over there. There's a police officer standing over her, and I walked out of the store, and my heart kind of broke because it was at that moment That They were over there and they were shaking her. Now you know we have new hope for recovery that's here. And as I was going by each one of them, I said, may the glory of the Lord be upon them. So I was praying for every person as I was walking through there until I noticed that this young lady was out. I thought she was sleeping like the other four individuals. But she wasn't. And if they zoomed in on her, what's bizarre about this story was was she was unconscious. I've never seen Narcan used in my life. We have Narcan here. Running a recovery program We understand the seriousness of what Drug overdose does They were shaking her And trying to wake her up And she was just unconscious And I remember walking out of that store And I'm kind of emotional But my heart just broke Because I thought wow She's got such a void in her life You know She is someone's Daughter She could be someone's Wife She's someone's sister. She's someone's importance, individual. She's somebody important. And when that man, as quickly as he could, ripped open that Narcan and shot it in her, she flew up in an upright position, and that's what you saw. In that sad moment for me, my heart broke, and I thought, And I stood back and I took that picture because our God is a God of second chances. And our God is a God who wants to show himself real. And he does that by giving us opportunity and giving us life. And I looked at that young woman and they said, what did you take? And as quickly as they asked, she said, heroin. She was honest. Well, then you heard the ambulance come in, and they parted the way, and they they went straight to her and was able to to help her and and get her some type of uh, recovery. I don't know what that was, but I said, you know, God, we're all important. Each and every one of us are important, and I don't know what you have in her life, but God, I pray that you will show your glory, that you will anoint her. Whoever she is, she is valued and loved by someone somewhere. For many of you, maybe you've lost someone to addiction. Maybe you've lost that loved one to addiction. My heart breaks for you. I want you to know that sometimes in the moments of loss and trials and tribulations and hardship, we start to see God's glory show. You know, here at our church, you hear me shout often, Glory! I'm known for that. There's two things. It's pointing upwards and shouting glory instead of Amen. Why? Because he gets all the glory for everything that we do. And he got the glory for bringing that young woman back to life. Today the message is, God, show us your glory. And I felt that God was really moving and stirring with my spirit this week about what does glory look like? God, show us your glory. And how does that manifest in our life? I've never spoke about that here before. But I want you to see that as we read here in Exodus... Chapter 33, verses 12 through 23, I'm going to set a stage of what it is for God to show us His glory. So if you have your Bible, you can either follow with me with your electronic device or your Bible. You can follow us on the screen. So let's read it together. Exodus chapter 33. Here's what it reads. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And it continues with verse 14. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence, presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Look to the person next to you and say, please show me your glory. glory. I want you to look up and say, "Please please show me your glory. Amen. Now we continue. Verse 19 says this, and it reads, Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here's a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. I want to key in on the verse we are going to talk most about this morning. And that verse is found in verse 18. And here's what it says. Now show me your glory. Let's say that together. Now show me your glory. This morning we're going to see this very important attribute and characteristic of God. Over and over again you see in the scripture the word glory. But what is glory? Better yet, what does it mean that God is glory? And I'm going to go into that, but... For many of us, we understand that glory is to exalt a person. We give them honor. We give them valor. Because of what? Their achievement. Or what they've done. But today I'm going to break that down. And I'm going to explain what is glory. And how valuable it is that we understand the glory of the Father. Why is revival taking place on a college campus? It's because they paid valor and honor and glory to the one that deserves it. We are so busy worried about our timeline and our agendas. We're so concerned about what's going on around us instead of just stopping and understanding that worship today is just between you and God the Father. We realize that Jesus Christ is the mirror of the Father. We see the triune. We see the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. For He is light, and in Him is no darkness. So we reflect that, and we worship Him today. But here it is. The Hebrew word for glory in the Old Testament is kabod meaning weight or heavy. It suggests something which radiates from the one who has it, leaving an impression behind. And the New Testament word is doxa. This word can be defined as beauty. God's glory, you can follow with me, is the beauty of His manifold perfection. It can refer to the bright and awesome radiance that breaks forth, invisible manifestations, or it can refer to the infinite moral experience of his character. In either case, it signifies the reality of an infinite God, greatness and worth. Psalms 29.3 says this. He is the God of glory. God's person. His infinite attribute isn't just awesome. He is glorious. And some people are good or glorious in one area, but not another. But God is glorious in all areas. He is one of a kind. You know, when I look at the word, sometimes, you know... Back in the day, they used to say heavy when somebody was cool, like, man, hey, he's heavy. But why did my mind go right to, as soon as I looked at this, it was talking about the weight, and then it went back to that old song, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. I don't know why this stuff does that, but, uh, but we look at the beauty and the weight of the glory of God. So we know LeBron James is good at basketball, but does that mean he's good at baseball? We know that He's awesome in some areas of His life, but that doesn't mean He's awesome in all areas of His life. So today, instead of using the word heavy or weight or beauty, we always say, oh, wow, they're awesome. So we look at the awesomeness of God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. We know the old song that's very popular. But do we know Him and just how awesome He truly is? Are you intimidated by the glory of the Lord? See, you heard me just read in Moses where it said that Moses had favor with God. I want to put yourself into a category this morning, and I want you to just kind of have a self-reflection. If you were to look at your own life and say, okay... For everything that I do, everything I've ever gone through, I want to find favor with God and what does that look like, which I'm going to be going into this morning. But we should give God the glory. We take for granted the sun, the moon, and the stars. What about if we woke up this morning and it was dark? Would you be alarmed? No, we take that because it's consistent. We take that for granted because that's just who we are. We take for granted that you're going to walk in here today and that our treasurer Steve has paid the bills and that you're going to be comfortable. But we need to say, thank you, God. We give you the glory because we have heating and air conditioning. We even have fans that if it gets warm, we're going to cool us down. Or for some of us, I try to freeze you out of here. But we'll say, wow, that's awesome. So where you're at, here's a song that has moved me. Have you taught your members, your family members, your friends, your co-workers the glory of the Lord? Are you intimidated by what people might see in your life or how you might respond to the magnitude of who God is? The reason why I'm referencing God today, I did a series on Jesus, and the only reason I'm doing that is because we're going to reference Moses today and what that relationship was between God the Father and Moses. But I'm going to play this song. As I was listening to this song yesterday morning is when God started speaking to me. And I didn't even know where this message was going to go today because I typed it up last night, and I can even show you I was showing some of the guys, I've got more marks on my paper than, uh, and I said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. But as this song called Blessings was playing, and it was a song of true worship and glory to the Lord, I said, this can be a message on itself. But why is it that we quench the spirit of the Lord? Why is it we take back what he's so lovingly and mercifully given to us? We'll do things like, got to get going, put that roast on. The reason why revival took place at a college campus was because they said, we're going to be where the Shekinah glory of God resides. I heard something this past week. Becky was sharing with me as we were heading back up here from Florida. She said, you know, I was reading this article, and the article said that um, a lot of well-known singers wanted to come and be a part of the Asbury prayer time. And I love that the college said, no. They said, because it isn't about you. We're giving God the glory. Interesting, isn't it? Not that, I mean, we can look in, not that I don't believe that they felt that way. I don't know what their motives were, and that's not up to me to to ask nor judge them. But, you know, I love that they said, let's just keep it where it's at. Let's just keep the spirit of the Lord moving Let's keep doing what we're doing. So in the middle of a message, I don't always play a song, but today I wanted to play a song, and that's why we cut out a song. And then I'm going, I'm going to go into the three senses of, you know, the characteristics of the glory of God, and then we will close. But I want you to just stop in, in your space and maybe in your prayer movement right now that you can just give God the glory and listen to this song because when I heard it, I never heard this medley. But it motivated me to think about, wow, have I given God the glory for everything in my life? Listen closely.
1: The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, and be gracious to you.
0: Hallelujah. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. God spoke to Abraham and he told him As there are stars in the sky, and all of the sand granules that are by the sea, so all your generations shall be blessed. I'm going to do just something different. I'm doing all kinds of things different this morning, right? Because I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit lead. But can I have my kids come up here? My daughters and son-in-laws. Come on up. And Megan's in the nursery. Can you get Megan and have her bring Libby up here? I uh, I want to glorify my children because I love them. No, this wasn't even part of this message today. But I want for a thousand generations for my kids to know Christ, to feel Christ, to sense His presence, to know His miraculous power, to know who He is. I want my son-in-law's To experience the same thing for a thousand generations. And at the very end of my life, I just want to say amen. Many of you know this. Many of you don't know this. But Megan lost a baby. Had a miscarriage and had surgery last week. A week ago. Hi, baby. And this is my grand doll. Where's Elaine? She's in class as well. Could somebody bring Elaine here for me real quick? Lane. Lane. And uh, I've been in the ministry now going on 18 years. And I've never brought my kids up. I've never brought up my son-in-laws. But I, uh, and they have been around for 18 years anyhow. Uh, longest now is what? Three years. Four years. and uh, But I, I wanted to pray over them. And I wanted you to pray with me as I pray over them. Because I believe that Satan is after us to seek, kill, and destroy our family and the generations after us. And if the church is going to keep going, then we need to do what we need to do. Hi, Pumpkin. I didn't even see you this morning. You got in and out of here quicker than I could see you, Grandall. So. But I'm going to make them stand up here because I'm going to give this illustration. And I believe I'm going to bring the scripture together. And if you're here and you have your kids with you, you're very blessed. Maybe I'll go back to my message next week, but I'll tie it in together. And maybe I won't. I just want to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you hungry for the glory of the Lord? Do you want God to show you his glory? What pumpkin? Moses had favor. With God. And God said, you cannot look upon my face. So he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set you apart because there's already favor that's there. And I want to hold my children accountable too because I want to set them apart to know that you have a high responsibility. God didn't put you in our family by accident. It was an appointment. God did it for a reason. She saw you over here. Is that Uncle Steve? Did you see him over there? And it's for that reason that even Moses, after all he'd gone through, the separation of the Red Sea, he already saw the glory of the Lord. He saw the Lord in a burning bush. Right? And yet he said, again, I want to see who he is. I want to see his face. So here's what he did. He goes, I value you so much that I'm going to set you over here. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. And when he went by, he saw his backside. He couldn't even look upon his face. But here's what happened. It's much like our own life. We've seen the glory of the Lord, and we misplace or displace How good God is and how he's worked in our family because we forget. But you know what I believe that God started doing in the life of Moses? He saw the backside of him because you know why? He saw history and he started writing Genesis and Exodus. And he said in the beginning God created and the earth was without form and void. And God started to move in Moses and life started to change. God wants to move in my kids if you'll allow him. But you have to surrender to that to see the glory of the Lord. Yesterday, I had a real good day. My wife had left, and that's not why, but um, that didn't come out. Sorry, sweetheart. But on my way out, I thought, I'm going to have for breakfast cheeseburger, small fry, and a Coke, and I did. And then I got home, and I had Amber. I wanted to say thank you for that spaghetti from Friday night. There was some leftovers, and I had that for lunch. Then for dinner, Megan and Travis were over, and I said, let's have some steak. And so I had some steak, and sometimes when we eat unhealthy like that, when God wants to fill us up and give us some good food, we're too full to accept the glory of the Lord, to receive what He has for us. Do you hear me, church? We've put so much junk in our way that we can't receive the blessings that God has for us. But I want to give God glory for what He's done. So here, want Papa hold you? No? Okay. I thought maybe that would help her a little bit. And so today, if we're going to see the glory of the Lord and we're going to see His intrinsic manifestation of His personality shown, then we need to embrace and give Him glory for everything that we do in our lives. And how does that look? What does that feel like That's saying God I thank you that your mercies are new every morning and they're new on my way to work and that they're they're good when I'm eating lunch and they're good through my adversity and they're good through my problems and my trials and tribulations. But God I know you're with me because I have favor and God show me your glory today because God is consistent sometimes we fail to realize just how good God truly is. So let me just pray over my kids because I want and I desire to pray over my family. So if you all just kind of come around here in a circle. Libby, we're going to pray, okay? Yeah? Want Papa hold you while we pray? Okay. Let's pray, okay? And we're missing mom, but she's here with us back there in a screen somewhere. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you and praise you for your glory. Father, I worship you and I praise you for your goodness. I thank you for my family and for my kids. And, Father, I thank you that uh, for a thousand generations, I'm going to claim that you're going to bring blessing and provision. And I pray that, Lord, that you will be with this family, be with our grandchildren, be with our new granddaughter, Olivia, she comes into this world. Father, we ask for your anointing and we give you glory for this new life that you're going to give to us. Father, I thank you for my wife and my partner, that We get to do life together. I thank you for my family. I thank you for those that are here today Father may may they be able to say for a thousand generations We will give you glory And so father you are an awesome God and you are a powerful God God we thank you that today we can just stop we Don't have to worry about what's in a sermon note Or what an outline is but God we just want to give you glory for all that you've done Thank you Lord for your word And Lord we ask that you'll speak to our hearts today Thank you, Jesus. Be with my kids. Be with my grandkids. Be with the generations to come. And I ask for your favor for a thousand generations. In Jesus' name we pray. And we say, amen.
2: Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Yay. Yay. Okay, go with mommy. Elaine. Elaine went that way. Stand up. She likes the platform. (laughs) I'm going to give you these three small points here real quick. And then we're going to go. And I want to say for those that are here, Jay's family, thank you for being patient with us today. Understanding that we just love serving the Lord and we want to give him glory for everything that he's done. When you stop and look at your family, value what he's done for you. And don't ever take for granted what you're going through. Work through the differences. And I like what this says here in uh, the Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Glory is used in three senses. One, God's moral beauty and perfection of character. The awe-inspiring God. The powerful God. He becomes our idol, not our American idol, but he becomes the ultimate idol of who he is. Number two, God's moral beauty and perfection as a visible presence. In scripture, this was displayed in the Old Testament when the fire would lead the Israelites as well as the cloud since the close of the old testament the glory of god has been shown mainly in christ and in the members of his church second corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 it says this but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory to glory just as the spirit of the lord that's called the intrinsic Glory of God. What that means is what fire is to hot. What wet is to water. What blue is to sky. Because God doesn't have to go outside of himself to be glorious. He's God. That's his intrinsic glory. And number three. Praise God's glory may mean the honor and audible praise that His creatures give to Him. Psalms 115 says this in verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to Your name give glory because of Your mercy and because of Your truth. The heavens declare the glory of God in Psalms 119. This glory... There's no insignificant thing to the Lord. Hear what he says about his glory in Isaiah 42 verse 8. And he says, I am the Lord that is my name and my glory I will not give to another. Nor my praise to carved images. Praise to idols. Then in 48 verses 9 through 11. It says, for my name's sake I will defer my anger and for my praise I will restrain it from you. So that I do not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be profaned? And I will not give my glory to another. I will not yield my glory to another. That's intrinsic glory. He doesn't take his glory lightly because it is who he is. If God were any less glorious, he wouldn't be God. Hmm. Going back to our main passage, I want us to understand how huge a request this is. Moses Was not asking that God give him a photo of himself. He wasn't asking for cab fare. Moses was asking God to show him his glory. Moses wanted to see and experience more. So let me set the context here before we close. Moses had just come down from Mount Sinai. The first time after receiving the law, he returned to find his people worshiping and celebrating over a golden calf. He was so mad that he threw the Ten Commandments down and broke them. At that point, God was angry. He was ready to do away with the people of Israel, but Moses intercedes on their behalf. And in God's great mercy and favor, he spears the people. God wanted Moses to lead his people into the promised land. The question is, God will show you as much of his glory that you want to see. If you're hungry for it, if you're hungry for his glory. So Moses bravely asks for help, help in being taught God's way and to continue to be in favor with God. And God assures Moses of his request. He then asks for God's presence to go with him. And then God grants that request to because the Lord is pleased with him. His third request, he asks to see His glory. And yet the Lord answers his request. But he doesn't do it fully. God responds. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name. The Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom? I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom? I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no one may see me and live. So God assures Moses that he will see His glory, but not all of it. God was going to proclaim His name. In order for him to see God in all his glory, He would have to see Him. What? He would have to see Him face to face, to see Him in absolute sense. but there's no humanly way possible to do that and live to tell about it. It's important for me to stop here and then to mention something to you. We need to understand that God does not have a body. People use passages like this and try to justify God the Father being just like maybe you or I. When you see a writer in Scripture using human terms to describe failures or features, I'm sorry, for God, we need to understand that it is used metaphorically. It's the only way for our finite minds can understand how God sometimes can relate to us. For instance... I believe firmly that God guides me. God doesn't need hands to do it. I believe God listens to me, but that doesn't mean God has to have ears to hear me. So for Moses to see God's face means to know him absolutely and to exhaust the depth of his being. God would no longer be a mystery. So God has a solution for Moses' request he hides him in a rock and the Lord passes by but Moses could only see his back again this is figurative language we need to know that however much Moses saw and experienced blew him away God let him see his history I'm going to say this in closing I love the. I was sitting this morning and I'd heard this a while back. But It kind of reminds me of this. Have you ever looked up in the sky? You look up there and you're like, oh wow, look how many planes are out today. How do you know there were planes up there? You didn't see the plane. You saw the trail from the plane. When I look at. What just encountered with Moses. He didn't have to see his face. He didn't have to experience him face to face like that. What he witnessed was the trail of God. Isn't that powerful? How hungry are you? I know for myself, enjoying the privilege of being a pastor of a church and reflecting back from the day of its conception, I have to sometimes just stop, close my eyes, see the history and the trail of this ministry from the souls that have been saved and the lives that have been changed and those delivered from the demonic stronghold of whatever sin that they have allowed in their life and to see the trail of the glory of God So if we say God is an awesome God then we say He's an awe-inspiring God then we can leave today knowing that He gets all the glory for everything that we have say or do. When you get up in the morning do you take for granted that your house had Heat and electric are you just saying well that's just God's provisions in my life or do you say God I give you the glory today so last night I went to bed and knelt and, and prayed and I said God if I were to sit here I could probably take days to think about giving you praise and glory for everything But I know that I've been placed here for a purpose And I know that in my sinful state That I just want to leave a trail of your glory And I want our church family To see the glory of the Lord It isn't what we've done, church It's God within us Using us to build his kingdom When we say, you know, we're raising money for a A playground Yeah, it's a lot of money But if we don't have a heartbeat for little people, we will not have a church tomorrow. And there will not be a trail here at this church. It will stop. So when I say pray about whatever God has for you, yeah, $16,000 is a lot of money. But I want you to know, and for those that are here, you're sitting in a building that God has provided all because of love. And he gets the glory. He gets the honor. He gets the praise for everything that is done around here. And when I look back over my years and over my children's children, and I probably won't make it to the next children's children. (laughs) That's a lot of children. But I want to give God the glory for what He's doing in the lives, even in my own family. But I want to see God do great things in the lives of our church family. So I'll leave you with this last verse. 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one says, Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all for the So whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. So today I want to say thank you. I want to thank God for his amazing grace. And His glory on this church We sang a song that said It is well with my soul And I hope you can say It is well with yours It's up to you church How much glory will you give Him If you were to take a magnifying glass And you went up to that image And you put that magnifying glass On that image It would do what? It would become larger But if I walk away from that image It becomes larger Smaller How close have you been To seeing God's glory May that resonate on your heart today Will you receive the glory of God today Let's stand our feet Father we thank you that We can bring you into our Place and space Father thank you For all the things And inspiration And divine Intervention that you've shown today. God, in this room today, there are families and individuals that need to sense and see your glory. And they need to cry out to you, they need to experience you in your fullness. So, God, I ask that today. If they'd put down their pride. That they would come to an altar and say, God, here I am. I'm just, I'm laying it out to you. I'm giving it to you. I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to surrender my life to you. God, our pride stands in the way of our relationship with you. I want to be like Moses. His life was changed after experiencing the fullness and the glory of His Father, of His King, of His God. Makes me think of the Scripture verse, God, that says... Even when you came in the form of man, Jesus was lying in a manger. Even the angels came and said, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. So Father, today I want to thank you for I stand in this building that was provided by you. And a congregation that is faithful for you through their time, through their talent, through their treasures. God, I give you the glory. And may all of us, in the stillness of this room, say, God, thank you for delivering me from this terminal illness that I've had. From this bad marriage, Father, thank you for taking me through the valley Whatever over that valley looked like, Father, thank you for placing me back up on this mountain, and I'll give you the glory. God today, I'm going to speak what I just feels on my heart. I think there's some marriages in this room that need you, that need to sense your glory, that need to feel your presence. God, today I pray in the name of Jesus that you will deliver them from whatever stronghold separates them from being what they should be together for you. And, Father, we could take this church and double in size and triple when we start giving you the glory for everything and submitting, getting to the end of ourselves to get to the beginning of who you are. God, for every teenager that's in here and every child, Father, I pray that you'll speak to their hearts. What they're going through isn't by accident. It's because you've ordained it to be that way. So God, through all of our problems, give us a solution. For all of our pain, bring healing. For all of our suffering, bring deliverance. And we'll give you the glory in Jesus' holy name, in Jesus' powerful name. And in that great prayer, it says, for thine is the kingdom. For thine is the power. God, for yours is the glory. In your son's holy name I pray, amen.